and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Congregation can be seated. In the midst of this uh, wonderful day, we've got uh, several folks who have uh, served this church as associate pastor and pastor who are present, so I know that we have uh, Ellen and Ken and Jim here. So now Jim Welch started in church, but I don't know if he stayed in church. So is it, you came downstairs. I kept looking for you in your spot in the balcony, so you're there. So Ellen Kent, I know you're here. Come on up and share a word. Ellen Kent. I mean, you folks drive all this way. I've got to let you share. Step up here so we can see you really good on the live stream. Step up. Well, good morning. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> um, so good to be here with you this morning to celebrate such a special occasion. Um, my, my very first Sunday here at Kingwood many years ago, um, I was walking around. I'm sure I was looking quite lost, and a lady came up to me, and she said, um, are you the new children's minister? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, we've been praying for you. And I thought that was so, so sweet. And I thought this is going to be just the most wonderful time here. And the very next week, three volunteers in children's ministries resigned their positions. And so, <laughs> so little did I know how much I was needing that prayer. All that to say that every church, every local church, has its own DNA, and the DNA of this church is prayer. It has been, prayer is so central to who this church is and uh, everything that they are, and I just appreciate that so much that the, that prayer surrounded me while I was in here, while I was here, prayer um, nurtured me. Um, and grew me in my faith while I was here. And I just, I want to give thanks for that to Kingwood, for that to the charter members who planted that seed from the very beginning. And so I just want to give you congratulations on 50 years. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ellen. Now, I'm a little bit nervous about inviting up this next character because I've heard legendary stories of all kinds of crazy stuff, but Kid Munn, come on up, brother. Good to see you back in the house. I told him he had 20 minutes and two costume changes. He's getting me confused with Chris Harrison. <laughs> Love you, Chris. You're probably watching this. Um, I came in in 2017, and I left when Welch retired. Uh, Every pastor will tell you that every church he has served is their favorite church. You get us behind the scenes, and there may be a different story. Um, uh, when we left here in 2017, or no, when we left, it was it 2017? It was. Um, we didn't sell our home. We decided that we've raised our kids through high school here. Um, and a year ago, my church in Baytown, where I'm serving happily, it's my favorite church, by the way, um, 
my church got out of the parsonage business, and they said, uh, can we sell the parsonage out from under you? And I said, if you'll let me commute. And they all said, well, we commute to Katie, so we don't care. Um, so a year ago, my wife and I moved back here. We still commute down to Baytown. The biggest affirmation I can give you is that we want to continue our life here, and maybe 15 years from now when I retire, you'll let me sit in the back corner and call myself emeritus. This, <laughs> this church has been special in our family's life, and we have decided this is where we want to uh, be normal human beings. And uh, I thank you for the place that you've had in my life and the love individuals have given to me and my family. Um, this is kind of my church home if I wasn't paid to be here. So thank you for all that you are. Amen. Jim Welch, uh, poet laureate, come on up. You've either been listening. I've got odds that Jim's going to quote either a poet, he's either going to do a poem or a country and western song. I don't know which. Love you, Palmer, even though you're a pain. Uh, so, uh. Well, greetings, folks. It's great to be here. Um, uh, it's great to worship with you all on a regular basis. I sit normally way up in the balcony uh, and kind of hide uh, up there, and Palmer made me come down today, so here I am. And he'd be really disappointed if I didn't have a poem for you, so I brought one with me. So <laughs> The other thing I will say is that uh, Debbie is caring for her elderly father. Um, long story, but uh, she's with him uh, many Sundays, and today she has him in their Sunday school class, average age 92. So, uh, uh, and that's including Debbie uh, in the mix. Uh, so she sends her greetings and her love to all of you. This is from Mark Burroughs, great poem, In the Stillness of Things. Something deep within us yearns for the stillness of things that cannot speak. Stones raised in a fresh plowed field are the poplar that girds the road's far bend. The spread of poppies swaying in morning winds or waves astir on a blue shining sea. All these bear witness in ways we can't quite hear, but somehow sense like a hymn. A hymn whose unstrung rhymes carry us through the long hours or a solitude that sings within the restless fling of flowing time like a word that breathes unheard in what we vaguely know but can never fully say. A word that breathes unheard in what we vaguely know but cannot fully say. There's a word that stirs my heart that I deeply know but cannot say, and that is, I love you all. Amen. Thank you each for sharing those greetings. I want to recognize in this moment some folks who have been instrumental in what brought us to this day. First, I'm going to embarrass the heck out of two people who have been the catalyst behind everything that has been happening, who have been the ones rolling things along, encouraging one another, sending emails. And I would like to ask Luann Masters and Laura Clapp to please stand where you are here. Come on. Recognize these two amazing people. Thank you so much. I also want to recognize the 50th anniversary committee. 
Steve and Julie Roper, stand if you're in here. When I call your name, please. Gary and Sonia Showalter, Sally Toe, Ani Cher, Steve Reeves, Tom and Marianne Wousseau, Jim Pinkerton, Richard Whittier, uh, Kelly Golaki is a staff member, helped out. Obviously, Brad, you uh, are ex officio for that magnificent arrangement. Uh, did everybody notice, please read your bulletin, that he was able in that arrangement to weave in the Song of Isaiah? Amen. It was just magnificent, magnificent job. Thanks to all of you. Say, express your appreciation. for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. I will invite you as you are physically able to stand for the reading of the scripture this day, which comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47, selected verses of six, verses 6 through 12. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then he asked me, son of man, what do you see? Then he led me back to the bank of the river, and when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the sea, into the Arabah, which is literally the desert area, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish because of this water that flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Ingedi to Ingalam, and there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us pray together. Eternal God, show us your word and your covenant in your word and your grace in your covenant and your goodness in your grace and your love in your goodness and yourself in your love and all in the face of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. 
It's an odd text to celebrate for 50 years to grab something out of the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel who was stuck in the Babylonian captivity speaking words of reminder of judgment to Israel but along about the 40-something chapter Ezekiel shifts to these words of encouragement that reminds both Judah and Israel in the divided kingdom that God would be the one to restore them that would be the one to bring them back. And in this prophetic vision, if you really want to dig down to understand it, you've got to start back in chapter 43, where the imagery is that the water that is flowing is flowing out of Jerusalem, the city, and every place that the water flows, it increasingly becomes deeper. First, it says ankle deep, then waist deep, then too deep to stand in. And the imagery prophetically is that when God's movement flows and God's water flows, it becomes like streams of living water water. Sounds much like what Jesus said to the woman at the well, whoever drinks of the water I provide will not need to drink again for I am the living water. I've got an idea to, uh, of, of how, how expansive this imagery is because the water flows all the way from Jerusalem and every place it flows, it transforms what it touches. It's the imagery of baptismal water for us in the New Testament, that everywhere the living waters of Christ flow, every place those waters touch, it transforms it from death to life. This is who we are as God's people. Wherever waters flow that God touches us, we are different. Look, it's hard for us to really capture the imagery of the difference between Ingedi and Ingelamam. So these two places, in Gedi, you actually go from Jerusalem down to Masada. You travel along on the western side of the Dead Sea, and you go right past in Gedi. It is literally an oasis. You travel about two or three miles back to the west off of the main road, and there's this flourishing area of fresh water. In fact, if you're in that area, it's not too far from Jericho. Jericho is known for its magnificent Fruits and nuts. Its dates are remarkable. They have a banana that's really not too big, but it's called the dessert banana. Because when you eat it, it's literally like having, almost like banana pudding sweet. They're really amazing. They say there is something rather remarkable about the mineral content of the soil, something about the water that creates these magnificent fruits. And this would have been known throughout the time. So when Ezekiel is speaking a word of hope to the people, this is not a foreign concept. It's calling them back to know what God was doing and is doing and how expansive that work would be. So you know Ingedi, but how many of you ever been to Ingaglam? Steve, you ever been there? No, probably don't know where it is. Okay, so here's an idea. I'm standing on the Jordanian side of the, of the Dead Sea here. If you'll throw that picture up. I'm actually standing on the Jordanian side, and the white, it's kind of in the middle, is actually a lot of the uh, vegetation, and what they'll do is not use any insecticide. They cover everything to keep the insects off. This, you're, you're looking across the Dead Sea to the Holy Land, into Israel. And so this is the Dead Sea. Anything adjacent to the Dead Sea, nothing lives in the Dead Sea. It's the second saltiest body of water in the world. And when you go by, you see there's nothing there. It's just, it's fun to get into. You can float. You got to be careful if you're sort of, as I call myself, fluffy. 
and you get kind of buoyant because if you go face down in the Dead Sea and you're kind of fluffy like me, you better have somebody to help you turn yourself back over because we got a lot of weight right here in the front that holds us down. People go and they bathe. Here's the fascinating thing about the waters of the Dead Sea. The waters start at Mount Hermon as the snow melts. They come through Tel Dan all the way down through the Halal Marsh, which you can drive through today, past Caesarea Philippi. And then they, as they get closer to the Sea of Galilee, it moves into that Halal Marsh and it picks up all the nutrients and that water eventually dumps into the Sea of Galilee. And it teems with life that's picked up along the way in the marshes. And the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life and fish. It's around the Sea of Galilee that Jesus, in those waters, called the disciples. By those waters, restored Peter when he went back to fishing after the resurrection. In those waters, as they flow out of the Sea of Galilee, were John the Baptist in a place called Quasar al-Yahud today. Actually, we believe, baptized Jesus in these waters. But the closer you get to the Dead Sea, it's the same water, but it's the content of the salinity of the area, not the water. It's the context that transforms the water, not the water that transforms the context. And everybody knows this. In fact, after large rainfalls, what will happen is some of the fish can be swept downstream through the Jordan River, and as their gills start to pick up the salinity of the context, they'll flip around and try to swim upstream. But those who don't, who just let sort of the context, not aware of the context, they'll move into the Dead Sea and you'll find dead fish because they can't live in the context. So this would have been the context that everybody knew. And they would have known the distance because this Enaglam is actually, we think, on the Jordanian side. So it's like looking all the way across. This imagery of a God who is going to plant streams, the waters flowing streams, plant trees, that kind of water, it's going to transform everything. It's going to bring life. It's going to be harvest and harvest. There's a distance there. In the pure context of science, the water can't transform the soil chemistry context, but in the biblical context, it's the water that transforms the soil. It's the waters of baptism. That the 11 o'clock service when Jim Welch pours the water of baptism across a child. We believe that that child will grow and nurture in that. It's the waters of baptism when people come to profess their faith. When next Sunday at this place, a father will kneel with his two sons and they all will be baptized. These waters that change us and transform us. Friends, we come together hearing the word of the prophet Ezekiel because it contrasts for us the difference between the waters of the Dead Sea and the waters of the Sea of Galilee, but it is God's waters that transforms both contexts. It brings life wherever it goes. And we celebrate what God has done, not because we want to celebrate our accomplishments, but because we want to celebrate what God has been doing, has done, and is doing. Think about it, friends. 50 years ago, where you're sitting was still a part of an open field. 
The beginning of the journey was in what's divine space now. And, and the, the transformation that has happened there is amazing. It is the same physical space. It's simply been updated. And its use has been transformed. But it's still the place that we gather. It's still a place that's central to the life of the church where children will come from SLC and play together. Where worship happens on Sunday morning. Where, And by the way, Wednesday night's bingo night for the table. So we're up. Clint's going to be the bingo reader, so if you're upset and you don't like your, your numbers, you get upset with Clint because he's going to be reading the numbers, not me. I learned that last time. That location, that place, which spawned and gave birth to all that is around us. Friends, we gather this day because when the waters of God touch our lives, it transforms everything. It allows a group of people who on Palm Sunday in 1972 were able to get together and say these words. On this first worship service of the Trailwood Village Methodist Church. Well, that's not who we are, right? Doesn't matter. We are still who we are. We gather in the spirit of thanksgiving. The seeds planted today will grow into an active arm of the church. Long after we have gone, this church will live on as a witness to the kingdom of God in this community. All we have to do is water the seeds in the years to come. Thanks be to God for His waters that change everything. His love which is everlasting. For it is in those waters... We all have been dipped or poured, and we choose to respond with a profession of faith. Thanks be to God for the witness, for the love, for the heart of prayer, and for the celebration. For in remembering the past, we have confidence for the future and unwavering trust in God for all that is to come. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your grace because all of your grace is amazing. So as we move from this time of celebration, would you help the stories that are recounted of your faithfulness encourage our hearts. Help us to continue to be a community of prayer, a community that chooses to respond and put flesh on the faith and to live in those moments wherever we hear the call of Christ. Let each of us be able to proclaim in the words of Paul that it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ Jesus who lives in me. Send us forth, O God, in the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of Christ. And all of God's people did say, Amen. Amen.